Hello everybody and welcome to episode 126 of Operation Retroshock. I am one of your hosts, Alan Price, and alongside me is the Graham to my doctor. The Graham? Wow, are you saying because I'm old? Is that is what you're I, saying? I, I'm not saying anything like so. I do I'm not wear scarves. I do not run around building sites. I do not pretend. Oh, that's just not nice. It's Mr. Chris Vint, everybody. Uh, yeah, and plus, are you female now? No. I don't know. So that's why we had a couple it's of weeks. Wib- wibbly wobbly, timey wimey, yeah. tra- time lord, whatever nonsense. We don't. Yeah. Uh, we don't go there just yet. Yeah. But uh, welcome to episode 126, everybody. It is going to be our Doctor Who episode dedicated to the start of the era of the 13th Doctor. Which isn't unlucky because um, it's a woman and people are going, oh, equal rights. And like, could have been a woman ages ago. Maybe they didn't find the right person for the role and they have now or have they well see we could debate even if it's the 13th doctor really at the end of the day yeah. because of the war doctor mm. and all that sort of thing the war so, doctor doesn't seem to have a number though and then also do you count the two tenants and all that sort of thing as well so it could, she could actually be technically the 15th incarnation of the doctor so let's just not get technical yeah it's all that sort of crazy mess so it is nothing is ever simple when it comes to to time travel and Doctor Who. But we shall get our plugs out of the way before we get stuck into our discussion of Jodie Whittaker's debut as the 13th Doctor. So if you want to get in touch with the show, feel free to drop us a message on Twitter. You can get in contact with us at RetroShockPod on there. Be a tweet, be a DM, whatever our DMs are open. If you want to let us know, what you'd like to see on the show coming up, be it about an old TV show, an old movie, video games, whatever it is, feel free to let us know. And who knows? Who knows? <laughs> yeah, uh, I really think you might. Uh, it may feature on a future episode of the show down the line. Or you can get in touch with us on Facebook as well. Just search for Operation Retroshock on there. And if you're enjoying the show, which you know, we very much hope you are, feel free to drop us a, a lovely review on iTunes, Stitcher or TuneIn, all those different places that the show is available for your listening pleasure. Thank you very much. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we'll get stuck straight in then to uh, our discussion of the 13th Doctor's first story, first adventure, so to say. Now, this is going to be very different to normal for us. Because this is, this is, we're going old school with this. This is kind of a, a winging it discussion. You didn't need to tell him that. You didn't need to tell him that. We could just be acting very, very professionally. Now you're just saying that if this falls apart, you've given them a disclaimer at the start to say, if this goes belly up, I've kind of warned if you. If this goes a bit stinky. Yeah. Apologies. You, you know why. <laughs> but yeah, just sometimes you find that it's good to have questions prepared, but sometimes it's good to go off the fly and then kind of not, not not you're not knowing what you're going to say, but kind of it gives a kind of rawness to the episode. Is what I that's it. At the end of the day, sometimes you can have all the questions prepped in the world, and you already have an idea of an answer in your head. Yeah. And then when that's the case, sometimes you actually don't say everything that you would have said. Yeah. Whereas sometimes, if you're just flying by the seat of your pants, anything and everything can come out. Uh, we know that all too well in classic retroshock and a few edits that had to occur back then. Uh, we won't discuss those. 
we will not discuss those as Chris mimes uh, some of it you will never know ladies and gentlemen you will never know uh, stuff that definitely wouldn't fly nowadays oh no wouldn't fly then wouldn't fly now okay so on three Chris mm-hmm. so I'm going to go one two three and then we'll say okay what we thought of this episode mm-hmm. so just say good meh or the okay know, that sort of thing okay. so one, two, three. Good. Hey, there hey. we go. That's it. Okay, thanks very much. So that's the first we know everybody of what the other thinks of this opening story for Jodie Whittaker's Doctor. So we're on the same level here then. Yep. So that's that's good to see. There'll be no mad uh, back and forth debates here. Then mind there may still be some things as we go here then that you liked that I didn't like or I didn't like and you liked or whatever nonsense I'm trying to speak out of my <laughs> mouth. You know what I mean? Yes. But... I think probably we'll just start with the obvious then, and that is Jodie Whittaker and her performance mm-hmm. in this episode. What did you think? I enjoyed her as the Doctor. I felt her presence as the Doctor. Um, even before we even see her in her now outfit, yes. I really liked her in Capaldi stuff. Fair enough, you know, you may need to go and wash that, or you may need to go and change some clothes. Yes. And it's like, well, this will be the first time I've bought women's clothing somebody had said that before and then have a picture of Pertwee from Spearhead in Space yes. whenever he's like dressed as like I a cleaner I should say it's the first time I've bought women's clothing for some time yeah or something like that yeah. that's just me yeah that's just like a kind of wee nod to yes. that um, but yeah the only gripe I had was how she was introduced was kind of how she fell into the train right. and then kind of got up straight away that was my only gripe. Everything else that they did was brilliant. Um, but whenever you're just... I, I thought maybe she would have appeared somewhere different. You know, fair enough, I didn't expect it. Yes. Um, but I think as the time went on, I was saying to a couple of friends that the only thing that kind of I was worried about was whenever she said that she was feeling sleepy. Right. And I was like, oh, don't, don't turn into a tenant now. You know, like, because yes. obviously his episode was primarily him in bed. And I was yeah. like... Please don't be like that because I want I've enjoy I'm enjoying what you're doing so far so don't don't take it away from don't me don't take it away from me yeah um, no hundred percent uh, you saying that that was the first thing that just immediately popped in my mind where when she does the whole sticking her finger up her nose and it's like <laughs> oh two minutes nineteen seconds and blah 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 and it's like oh don't 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 put her out here for yeah. like another twenty minutes or a half mm-hmm. an hour of this episode and stuff. Like yes, we want to get to know the companions as well yeah. here going forward. But you're like, you're you've just started to really get to grips mm-hmm. with her doctor so yeah. far that you're just like, no, no, please don't, please don't. <laughs> um, I get what you mean about her appearance. Yeah. It was not the way I expected her to first appear in the episode. Yes, obviously we got left with her falling from the sky out mm-hmm. of the TARDIS, hence the episode title. Um. It felt just a bit too um, on the nose, kind of like, oh, there's crazy things going on. Where does the doctor land? Yeah. In the train car where all the crazy things are happening. Mm. But it's sci-fi, it's fantasy. They yeah. need to probably not hang about and go, oh, we have to get the doctor from over here to here to mm. actually get her into the story. Um, but I think when it comes to that, yes, maybe the fall directly into the train car, it wasn't what I would have went for. I think the second she stands up and you hear those first few notes yes. of the theme tune, mm-hmm. I just had a big grin across my face. Yeah, yeah, because obviously we didn't get 
the theme tune until the end. Yes. It is very more more like Hartnell kind yep. of music. But we'll, we'll get, get there. Oh, we'll get there. Because um, you know yeah, I'm the music guy. But I thought <laughs> whenever she landed, I thought she would have came up and then like did something with her back yeah. and go like, oh, go like that's going to hurt tomorrow or whatever. Considering how kind of rough Tennant was after he'd taken his big fall out of the spaceship at the, at the end of his era. Oh, yeah, yeah, because he was just cuts everywhere. Yeah. Yeah, he was just cuts everywhere and then he was like, you know, and then he wiped him away, but... I thought that's maybe what would have happened to her, but like because she was still regenerating, obviously we can grow hands, you know, like because we have like a couple hours. Yeah, after well, my that. well, my guess is that's maybe part of the whole her needing the sleep as well, mm-hmm. because you saw that when she was like sleeping on the sofa. Yeah, you know the regeneration energy kind of floating around her. Because yeah, on whenever, her arms. Whenever I saw that going out of the mouth, I thought, right, okay, that's going to be where the TARDIS is going to figure out where she is. Yes. And that's where I thought that's where the TARDIS is going yeah. to appear. And obviously, we didn't get that. I think that may still come back and pay off down the line. You know, this little puff of regeneration okay. energy. Um, I just think there has to be a reason for it to be in there. Yeah. Um. For just, I don't see it as something you just kind of wipe away and go right. Mm-hmm. Okay, we're done now. Sort of thing. She's awake from her nap. Yeah. Um. But no, I really enjoyed her overall performance. Mm-hmm. So I did throughout the episode. Now, uh, one of the folks that was messaging me that I'm friends with kind of said they hoped that this isn't the characterization of her doctor Neil down a hundred percent. They felt that they almost went too sympathetic. With okay. her characterization, so uh, obviously spoilers for this episode if you haven't seen <laughs> it, folks. I would like to think if you're listening to this episode that you've went and actually seen the show. But um, this is, you know, she's a female friend, so she he was getting the first glimpse of a female fan as, you know, watching a female doctor as yeah. well. And her main concern with it was that she was like, I hope they don't make her over sympathetic just because she's now a woman. Okay. Sort of thing. I never really um, got that. To I be didn't pick with you. it up overly myself. I just thought, well, it's someone just being overly nice to a guy who's just lost his nan and stuff mm-hmm. like that. You know, specifically more so towards the end. Um, but for me, I picked up a bit of Smith, and I picked up a bit of Tennant. Yeah. In her performances as well. So I did. Obviously, there's the kind of there was a bit of Cookie in there, which you expect from like the Smith doctor mm-hmm. but then there was also kind of and you kind of think back to the 50th anniversary stuff as well now it isn't inherently a tenant trait but the going ahead and like making things yeah i felt was very old school that and the whenever she goes oi and yes that, that was very tenant was he would go like oi what are you doing you know yeah. so i find that i it get i get what you mean with that but tenant was more like whenever he's building that thing to uh, with a Suntaran, the Suntaran <laughs> thing, you know, to um, clear the sky. Yes. Whenever he's making all that kind of thing. So yeah, I get what you mean whenever she was, it was almost like you expected some A-team music to come on mm. then whenever she's trying to make the screwdriver. Yep. Um, but yeah, I, I get what you mean. It's trying to pick up little traits, even then, even whenever she says that, you know, she kind of dies, but then she's kind of like born but it's yeah. kind of trying to figure out. It's kind of like everything's being formatted and she needs to find out how things go and that kind of stuff, which was something unique to Yeah, you got that kind of extra deep dive glimpse into the regeneration process. Mm-hmm. You know, that fear 
of you on the actual brink of death. Yeah. And then that moment, like you're born again. Yeah. If you were, if you think about that, that would be terrifying. So it, and then having been reborn and still getting these echoes of these other mm-hmm. 11, 12, 13 odd individuals that you have been in your life, but then being called towards this, your kind of, yeah, not, your following new personality. Your in, following your instincts. Sort of thing. So I thought it was nice to kind of get that extra, um, kind of deep dive into a few things in the episode but it wasn't, I felt. it wasn't forced on your throat. Yes. It was very, a conversation mm-hmm. with Graham and his missus with her while she's building stuff and then yeah. she goes, oh, you must be in so much pain. I go like, oh, because all my cells are regenerating and, re- you know, like, and kind of moving around and everything and you're like, okay. You kind of know bits about it but you kind of haven't had an in-depth description of it like that of his person i think it's maybe because with it being a new doctor was that a lot of um press have said that this is if you've never seen doctor who before this is a perfect jumping on point and each episode will be a perfect jumping on point because it's not going to have an overriding story arc very much like with matt smith and the crack in the wall and all that kind of stuff um it's not going to have that but obviously next week whenever we get to that you know like it carries on from the previous one. Yeah. But, um, but um, I think Chibnall did really well with this opening episode in writing it in that he had to balance what you're saying. Mm-hmm. This is meant to be a jumping in point for new people. Yeah. But he also knows he's going to have this huge amount of people that are existing fans of the property, of Doctor Who. Mm-hmm. So he's like, I need to explain what regeneration is and a TARDIS, and a sonic yeah. screwdriver, and all that sort of stuff. But not make it up boring also for the existing audience. Very much like J.J. Abram with Force Awakens. Yeah. You have to appease the old fans, but you want to have new fans come on board, yeah, but exactly. still understand what the lineage is behind that item. So, yeah, yeah it's just like a case of, obviously, we hear talk about the TARDIS, but we don't see the TARDIS in this episode. So. Yes. Again, this is a doctor without really a sonic screwdriver for the majority of it and with no TARDIS, which is pretty much nothing, um, which pretty much, you know, like you see the TARDIS in pretty much every episode, you know, like either at the start or the end, you will see something to do with that. But no, it is, this, this episode was, you know, a reasonable enough departure from all expectations. Yeah. So it was, you know, no intro, no TARDIS, etc. Um... We've talked about the Doctor then, so probably I've kind of mentioned one of our companions at the opening there, and that's Yaz, Ryan, and Graham. And I think for me, this is again down to writing Mm -hmm. and building of characters. Ryan's the first guy we're introduced through his uh, YouTube video, yeah, and he doesn't live in a perfect world because he has two dislikes on his YouTube video. He does, and he only has, you know, like what... 19 views or something like that. Uh, And why... This is the big thing for me. Why does he ride a bike on top of where there's a big, massive cliff? <laughs> I mean, why? He throws his bike, right? Fair enough. Plus the fact that they must live nearby there to ride a bike up there. Yes. But what if he, like, kind of doesn't pull the brakes and then just goes, wee over yeah. there? Because obviously we see where his bike ends up, and yeah. it's quite a way away. But why on earth would you think that's a good place to ride a bike is over near a big massive blooming cliff? All I'm guessing is that this is probably a very popular kind of 
you know, public place in Sheffield for people to go out and about with their families and stuff up a hill somewhere. That's that's all my guess is. Cause well, kids, course... don't ride bikes near hills, okay, or near <laughs> cliffs. It's not wise. But talking about the whole bike thing and the companions, I think it's very cool that it isn't just, here's your new companions and boom, off you go sort of thing. Mm-hmm. So if you think of companions in the past, uh, Rose, just a regular girl from an estate in London, even Amy, you know, bar the whole crack in the wall thing, she originally was just a young girl in a house. Mm-hmm. There wasn't any kind of like defining characteristic to these people. But the thing with this, I find, is with whenever he, whenever the doctor goes with Donna and then he meets Wilf yes. and he's seen Wilf before and it's linked together, Yeah, these characters all know each other yeah you know fair enough you know graham knows who's the hell is it graham is technically ryan's granddad by marriage graham knows ryan and then ryan obviously knows yaz from school and yaz knows ryan's gran yeah so it's kind of a case of a game with the doctor there the characters are linked together by some way shape or form that this it's not a case of ryan doesn't know yaz who doesn't know graham you know you find that yeah. You know, you find that they kind of know each other through somebody else. Exactly. Um, so they can kind of click together yeah. fairly quickly. Yeah. So they can. And then I think it's also as well the way Ryan has dyspraxia. So his balance mm-hmm. and his, you know, central, you know, kind of way, what you would need to ride a bike yeah. isn't there. To most people, that probably wouldn't mean much. But it's a nice just defining kind of characteristic for Ryan. Yeah. And then, of course, we find out more towards the end of the episode with Graham that he's in remission from cancer mm-hmm. as well. Mm-hmm. So, so that is again just a little extra layer. I think it's also the un- characters. I think it's underlining that everybody is going through something mm-hmm. personally, and it could be something like riding a bike that everyone else could do or somebody who's fought cancer or somebody who's trying to make themselves better in their job but not yeah. getting the opportunity. And they all seem to have their trials and tribulations, but they all seem to be decent people. Yeah. And that's the thing that you make of it. You don't make that Graham has been fighting cancer and then he's found love through that. So again something has happened to him but he's made the best of a bad situation and come through it yes you know like and that's one thing that some stuff like that you know like people can relate to people can say like this guy's having problems riding a bike I'm having problems doing x y or z yeah you know like and that's the thing is making even a simple problem like riding a bike may may mean to us like well that's easy but for other people that could be really difficult. They yeah. could find something really easy that we find really difficult, you know, yeah. and each person is different. And don't, take, don't take everything for granted. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, so, you know, I'm sure there'll be something that Graham will say, like, oh, he'll say to Ryan, like, oh, on your bike, but oh, sorry, I didn't mean to say that. Yeah. You know, it'll be something that that'll be a joke down the line that he'll maybe say and then... Yeah. So... We've talked roughly about what we think of the companions and all that. What do we think of the actors performing them? Was there any one particular that stood out for you? I honestly thought Bradley Walsh wouldn't be as good as he was. Mm-hmm. Um, I think he was very, you know, like I love when I always has a bus driver. And then whenever, you know, like the doctor says, get everyone off this and use your own initiative. And you just see him 
and his wife with the clipboards going like, yeah, power, everyone, get out. And she's like, yeah, it's like really important you all go. Um, but again, you know, like he he seems, for me, will be the one that you seem to have, you know, like you've obviously got a girl, you've got a, a guy, and you've got like an, an older gentleman, you know. Yes. Like, so for me, he's going to be like, you know how much I loved Wilf yep. in Doctor Who, so I think he's going to be the next one of that. Um with Yaz, um, I think out of the three of them, she was the one that we know least about, mm-hmm. you know, because obviously we know that she went to school with him and um, that she's in the, in the police and that's really all. I thought that whenever the, whenever the, that shell thing had cracked and they found your man had been killed yes whenever he said that you know like record a video saying he'd lost his sister i thought that that's who i thought that they I were got related, yeah, I got you know you. but it was only whenever you saw the photos i'm like oh right it's somebody else yeah and it all becomes clear as to why no i got yeah but i 100 percent agree i think bradley walsh really stood out for me mm-hmm. in this uh in this opening episode Anybody who's anybody here in the UK uh, who knows Bradley Walsh knows he is a very funny individual. But you see, you say that, but it's only when my mum actually watched the episode. Yes. And my mum thoroughly enjoyed the episode. Yes. And it was only whenever she said about um, him being law and order. Yes. That he was great in that because, yeah. like you say, you went straight for the, the comedy. Yeah. But then he is quite a, he can be quite a serious actor as well. That's and exactly I totally it. forgot about that until she said that, oh, he's really good in Law and Order. And I was like, I was like, I totally forgot that he was in that. No, I said, I'd, I'd heard that he'd been in Law and Order and he was very good. So, But this was my kind of first proper glimpse, glimpse at him doing... Something yes, other than yes, the case. He, <laughs> yes, he was funny in this episode. Yeah. He had his moments. Like you say, always ask a bus driver. Mm-hmm. He's hanging out with his old bus fr- driver yeah. friends. And going, oh, <laughs> you know, kind of... Yeah, the wife's on the time. They're like, yeah, that's what I meant. <laughs> exactly. Um, but then, like we said, the more serious moments, especially uh, when his wife and Ryan's nans passed away mm-hmm. and all as well, that whole kind of discussion at the end of the episode, he really handled it well. Yeah. So he did. So I think he could really be the one that kind of ties everyone together. Mm-hmm. This series... He'll be, out of all of them, he'll be the most... I think he'll be... The other two will not get in the flat, but I think he'll try and be the calm, centred one because of his wife's passing. Yes. I think that'll try and ground him and he'll think, what would she do in this situation? Because that's, that's what I got from this episode as well. They were trying to, you know, she was the kind of gun-ho yeah. sort of... Yo, let's go for it. I'm really enjoying this. Because one of the things is whenever she says to him, is it wrong that I'm enjoying this? I'm going, yes, it is. You know, but then he's probably going to try and take that on and everywhere he goes, he's going to try and enjoy for her and for him. Exactly, because you got that glimpse when they were back in the train and the other young fella, I can't remember his name, that was like the trophy that the alien was hunting after. Um you know, Graham, Bradley Walsh's character, turns around and says, you know, there isn't aliens in Sheffield. <laughs> yeah. know, he pretty much, for the whole episode, yes, he gets involved and all that, but he's he very much Carl. Like, Carl. He's very much like, you know, this is maybe a bit much for me, you know, I, mm-hmm. I maybe don't want to dip my toe into this world and all. Whereas she was like, yes, let's go. So yeah. he'll probably see this as, besides being in remission from cancer, this almost being... A second go at things as mm-hmm. well for yeah. her. Yeah, you know, with him going out and adventuring in the world. And speaking of adventuring, now I think we are probably going to 
pop around this episode quite a bit in a different order than you know it actually goes but the way the episode ends Mm -hmm. I liked because it wasn't your stereotypical oh doctor meets new companions and doctor gives big speech and says oh by the way do you fancy coming for an adventure and off we go sort of thing Mm -hmm. Jodie Whittaker's doctor was leaving those guys yeah she was just like you know I'm gonna miss you guys you know but cheerio zap and then you get the moment where they're all in space Mm -hmm. that they're dragged along for the ride what did you think of that dynamic I thought it was very different because I expected them because where they're up in space and they're all kind of together it kind of looks like the stars here look like that's going to be where it says the police box I think that's where the TARDIS is going to because I got a glimpse I don't know if this was just me now I've only watched the episode once. I don't know oh, about no, you. I've only watched it once. You've only well. watched it once yeah. as well. So it may have just been at the time. But I thought I heard in the sound mix in the background the slight kind of groaning, you know, that the noise of the TARDIS. Okay. In the background of that space moment, it may have been me. I don't know. I'll have to watch it. So you heard it and I thought I saw it. So. Yeah, so <laughs> confirmed. TARDIS confirmed. <laughs> um, but it makes sense because that whole thing was meant to transport her to yeah. the TARDIS. Mm-hmm. But the doctor being the doctor, chances are slight maybe miscalculation yeah. and they've ended up where the TARDIS is, but because just to leave it away in space. Because obviously with the TARDIS on the outside is where there's like a bubble. Yes. So like obviously we've seen people sitting on top of the TARDIS, we've seen people looking outside the TARDIS, we've seen people hanging outside the TARDIS whenever it's in space and whatever, so... If they're near that area of it, obviously she's the furthest away. So that means that they, obviously she can go without air longer yes. than the, the other ones can. So whether it's a case of they are near the TARDIS and she goes she goes like that and she tells them, you know, to or she pushes them in or she uses her sonic to open the, or she clicks her fingers. That's, that's what I was actually kind of thinking, how cool that would be if that was how the episode the next episode opened was because mm-hmm. we always have had this build up from the tenant era you know with river song saying you know my doctor could open the doors of the tardis with a snap of his fingers which we got to see over the years through yeah. smith through tenant even at the end of the library yeah and capaldi yeah imagine if she just clicked her fingers the door opened and the tardis came towards mm-hmm. them in space yeah. sort of thing and then that's when like as you say the kind of the bubble on the outside of the tardis saves them because they're going to have to get down to that planet somehow. Yeah. yeah. Sort of thing. Unless they're picked up by another ship. We don't know yet. Um, but no, I did like the way the episode ended and that. It was just a different twist. Oh yeah, yeah, totally. To it's very different in the fact that it's not a, a happy-go-lucky ending. Like you say, it's like, you know, full speed ahead Barcelona. Or, yeah. you know, like you're not meeting with me, sunshine. And we're like, no, I just want to aim it, you know. So... I liked the, I like that fact, but it's kind of a case of oh, you know, like people be like, how did they get out of this then? Or you know, like obviously we've seen the trailer for the next one and such, but like you say, we need to figure out how they get there. The same way we needed to figure out how the doctor fell from Earth and where she landed and all that kind of stuff because with her screwdriver obviously she's built so whether she gets a screwdriver like that because obviously we've seen Smith get a screwdriver from the TARDIS yes. so whether she 
configures it to get one like that or whether she puts it in and polishes it up and makes it look a bit more snazzy yes than, uh, than it, you know or whether that made. impacts the look of the TARDIS or something like that you know it assumes that more sort of rugged organic style yeah. look that it has because to this point we still don't know what the inside of the TARDIS looks like which is exciting which, which is, is exciting. nice that it's a case of you know for nine months of filming there hasn't been many things spoiled which is even better you which, know. which we'll definitely get to with the sort of what happened after the ending of the episode. Um, another thing I wanted to hit on that I actually made a quick note of is just the visuals and the cinematography and the way certain things were filmed. Mm-hmm. I think the lighting, the sets, the scenery, all that sort of stuff felt very fresh and different. One thing I didn't like because I don't like heights was the crane stuff. So whenever oh, well. he's going to jump across, and I'm like, nope, I don't like that. And then she jumps <laughs> across, and then she's hanging like this, and we're like, oh no. My legs used to be longer. Yeah, um, um, but yeah, totally like we've said about Black Panther. For me, this is like the Black Panther of of Doctor Who. Yeah. Is the fact that visually, not saying that the other ones aren't stunning, but visually, whenever you see certain things done and especially whenever a lot of it is set at night time it's still quite bright it's not a case of like it's dark and it's dreary and you're like you know you have to turn your brightness up on your tv to see what things are you're like you're not going what's that or whatever but even like the likes of the um even the likes of the train whenever it's dark you can still see stuff because one of the main things is like a big ball that has electricity going. Yes. And oh, I don't know about you, but see, whenever I saw that, what was the first thing that came into your head? I'm whenever tr- you saw that thing that um, she zaps w- uh, with the, the electricity thing. Uh-huh. I'm trying to remember. All, I, something did jump in my mind All I could think of was Chloe Webber's scribble. Oh, yeah. Because you know the yes, way it's yes, just yes, like yes, a yes, ball yes, like yes. that. That's all I could think of. But yeah, I was watching this going... <laughs> bloody that's all of, I could, of, all, of all the connections yeah that's all I could think of to have um, but I think when it comes to like the cinematography and the quality of the filming and the shots and where they filmed I think it's the closest I felt when it comes to visuals as Day of the Doctor because mm-hmm. Day of the Doctor was the 50th anniversary so they pumped extra money into that yeah and this is the closest for me in terms of quality mm-hmm. to Day of the Doctor I think and I think that comes down to partly I don't think we're getting as many episodes yeah not by much but we're getting one or two less than we've been used to I mm-hmm. think because uh, I think there's nine more after yeah. last night's yeah uh, and then the Christmas special I think it is so I think we're used to normally isn't it like 13 or something like that something so, like that yeah you know like two less so that's a, a wee bit of extra money to kind of put out across things but I think also maybe it might also be something as simple as um, it hasn't been filmed in the kind of same old Cardiff yeah but then again it could be because we've got a new fresh you know person behind it who you know like whenever he's done like I haven't watched Broadchurch but I'm sure because I've seen pictures where it's near like you know like near the ocean and things like that and I think maybe he has a different eye for 
shots um, and for stuff. shots and back because even the shot of Ryan whenever he's on the bike after the doctor's going and it kind of pans back and the doctor's just standing there that and was one of the shots of the just, episode for it, me but again that's something so simple yeah that you just have a big field gr- field <laughs> and he's riding the bike and he kind of pan back to her standing there and you know that even even whenever they're standing outside somebody's house and they're drinking their tea yeah Again, that is something so simple, but again, it was the surroundings of where they're standing. They're not all squashed together. She's standing here. You can't really see that. She's standing to the left. Yaz's standing to the right, and then um, Graham is standing on the steps on up a little bit. It feels natural. Yeah, but it's something that's done every day. You know, like, it's something that I could stand, like, whenever you come to my house, I'll stand at the door and talk mm-hmm. to you while you're You know, and it's a case of somebody may say, that's a really good shot if you do that, or somebody could do that. Somebody may be more story over visuals, whereas Christian will seems to be equally important for both. Yeah. You know, so Absolutely. I think that's one thing about it is that with it being done so beautifully with the likes of if they were to release Doctor Who in 4K Blu-ray, oh, yes. that would just look exquisite. Then I'd say so there's probably do. a good chance this was filmed in 4K. Yeah. So, uh, it would definitely be one I would love to see them actually just release the series mm-hmm. on like Ultra HD yeah. for you to stream or whatever. Um, I suppose we should talk about the villain. Yeah, I suppose we should. Now, Tim Shaw, I'm, Tim Shaw. I'm in kind of two minds Okay. with this villain. This is where kind of a little, ever so slight bit of negativity creeps in for me. I enjoyed... The villain, up until he showed his face, mm. and yeah. then after that, I was like, "Hmm," because you obviously out of this episode, you get a very predator vibe. Yeah, you know, sort of what is originally billed as these two alien creatures but even, coming even, to Earth but, to fight. But even at the start, whenever you see him out of that like mushroom thing, uh-huh. it's very Terminator esque. The yeah. way he's like knelt down, I was like. Oh, we're going for like a Terminator vibe here then. Aren't we? Yeah. Um, but Alien versus Predator. Mm-hmm. You know, two aliens on Earth. Yeah. Going to find out. Of course, we find out it's not another alien. It's his device that he sent ahead to help cheat to get this trophy. You yeah. know, find the human and stuff. Find Carl. Um, but the whole kind of viciousness of the villain, mm-hmm. when he still hadn't shown his face for me, was great. And... I could definitely see that if I was some sort of young child, five, six, seven year old, whatever, yeah. watching this episode, I'd be scared under my skin. Especially whenever some guy starts throwing salad at him. Well, yes. Um, but the fact that he goes up, he like freezes your face. Mm-hmm. And like when he kills that brother looking for his sister. Yeah. Sort of thing. You get the proper kind of crunch. Yeah. Of when he goes to dislocate the jaw to then get the tooth. Mm-hmm. You're just like, Wow, that's a bit dark here, folks. Yeah. You know, and I think that's another thing about this is this didn't shy away from being dark. No, it had those. Yes, it had those funny moments in there, as you expect with Doctor Who. But it was dark in places. But I think once he showed himself, it's one of those ones that he has a mask. He puts the mask on. Then whenever he's talking, he takes the mask off. And I was yeah. like, well, what's the point of you having the mask? Mm-hmm. If you were to have like some kind of Instead of you taking it off, if you were to kind of have some kind of electronic veil thing yeah. where he just presses a button and it kind of lifts off rather than taking off a mask and holding it, 
It's very much like Kylo Ren. I keep and stuff. He'll like have his mask, then he takes his mask off, and then he puts his mask back. Or Kane has his mask, takes it off. Or what you're saying, on. he should maybe have more like um, Star Lord out of Guardians, where he just like yeah. boops the button. Yeah, and yeah, and then, yeah, exactly, something like that. But I un- I understand where you're coming from. It was very much like you know they've said there's no Daleks in this series and whatever and that, that's fine but they have to be careful that each villain that we have isn't a villain of the week like this guy was you know because he was quite menacing and then I think once you showed his face and he has like the teeth in his face and you're like very much for me it seemed to be like not that I humanised him because obviously no human really has teeth in their face mm-hmm. but it's very much like a Oh, he's not as scary as he was. Do you know what I think it was for me? I got Absorbalov vibes from it. The way the Absorbalov... I can't speak today. Absorbalov? That's the one. Okay. Uh, Peter K. Okay. Um, the way when he absorbed those people, he had like their faces mm-hmm. in his body and mm-hmm. all. And I just kind of got that. You kind of had like these half-dissolved teeth yeah. sticking to his mm-hmm. face. And I'm just like, oh, I'm getting bad flashbacks here. Yeah. Um... Not that they're in any way exactly the same or anything like that. But I but think that would have maybe been better if he had the mask on and then very much like, oh, what's it in? The Black Panther, whenever he has the mark for everyone he's killed. Yes. So if he was lifted or he was to show his stomach and uh-huh. his stomach has that and he leaves the yeah. mask on, for me, that's more frightening because yeah. you don't know what's behind the mask. Or even if he had some sort of like... Uh, like a necklace, necklace or yeah. something like that mm-hmm. that all the teeth got attached yeah. to. I think that'd be cool because it is like that predator thing is they're a warrior race and he's kind of doing this, you know, trial by rights sort yeah. of thing to be a leader in their, you know, uh, race, so to say. Um, but yeah, the whole uh, name thing was a bit weird. <laughs> yeah, the Tim Saw, Shim Shaw, Shim Shaw. Yeah, sort um, But I did like... And again, this comes back to this is definitely uh, an older Doctor thing. Is that when the Doctor eventually is like, you know, I am the Doctor and right, you know, I'll let you go. Mm-hmm. You know, after revealing, oh, well, I've put the DNA bombs in you. So if you yeah. want to survive, right, you go now. I'll give you your teleportation mm-hmm. thing or whatever it is to take you home. This is your one chance. Yeah. You've done this to yourself. Yeah, no second then, chances on that kind of a Doctor. That's the Doctor to a T but what is the Doctor to a T is what happens after when Carl kicks him off the crane and she turns around and says you had no right to do that Mm -hmm. because that's just the Doctor you know do your best to get out of a situation without killing yeah stuff almost Batman-esque as well you could say but that is very much the Doctor as in you know I'll give you your chance to go Mm -hmm. you've agreed to fine go yeah the doctor kind of saw that as the cheap shot yeah oh yeah 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 and i thought we were going to get another e moment between the doctor and carl where she would have maybe have already shown glimpses of maybe well do you want to come for an adventure sort yeah. of thing? and they go well no you've proven yourself I, that you're not i was worthy wait, of it. i was waiting for her to say you say you're special not if you do stuff like that mm-hmm. I, because he kept saying he's special he's important and things like that and go like you know what you say you're special and you're important Doing things like that doesn't make you special or important. Yeah, you know. So I was, I was waiting for, I was waiting for that. I was waiting for kind of like a dressing down, kind of you know, like you say, you know, you no right to do that. But I was waiting for 
her to tell him off in a stern way and kind of um, make sure that he knows that to look after people and to be more human towards yeah. even even aliens like that, you know, to try and do your best for them and be special and be important because everyone is. Yeah. I'm going to talk about a sad moment in this episode now. Okay. And it's probably not the part you're thinking of, but the granddad talking to his granddaughter on his iPad, the security guard, the, uh-huh. the old security yeah. guard, who just gets offed by this Tim Shaw fella, mm-hmm. where he just goes to investigate, and he's like, oh, you know, good night, love, we'll talk to you soon, sort of thing. And it's just like this nice, lovable-looking granddad sort yeah. of a fella. And he just goes and he gets his face frozen <laughs> off and his teeth took. I was just like, that is really sad. You know, it's mm-hmm. like, like, you're just like, that's, that's kind of unnecessary, really, isn't it? Sort yeah. of here, you know, but that, again, feeds into... The dark moments, yeah, of the episode, that this guy just really didn't care. You know, he wasn't just like I'm only coming for the trophy sort of thing. It's like I'll yeah. just I'll take your teeth because that kind that kind of shows you that there was one person who had a family that he killed, and then then for then Grim's wife, whose name I keep forgetting, and then she obviously Grace, was it? Yeah, I think so. And then obviously whenever she, whenever she dies, then there's another family done. You know, there's another family kind of broken apart because of this guy. Yeah. So, Um, let me think how to phrase this. Did this feel like Doctor Who to you? Or did it feel like there was Doctor Who but a sprinkling of something else? Oh, that's... mm. The reason I'm saying this to you is, see, for me, Mm -hmm. this episode felt, you know, like it departed from Doctor Who enough... That it almost felt like it was somewhere in the mid-ground between Doctor Who and Torchwood. Okay. In terms of the darkness and the way the story was told. Mm-hmm. Maybe partly that was down to, you know, the little bits I've already described when it comes to things being dark. But also that the story primarily was taking place in the evening time. Yeah. Which is common practice for Torchwood. Mm-hmm. I don't know, did you get any tastes of other shows sprinkled in or... <laughs> Just was it just fresh Doctor Who to you? It was it was more like that, but I think the main fact was that because you didn't have, I know it sounds silly, but because you didn't have the music at the start of it, that uh-huh. for me is a big factor. You know, like whenever you watch, you know, like a show, you have the intro or how long or short it is. But I think as well, like you say, with us, with that, you look at this episode and then you look at how dark this is in places, and I'm not talking about you know. Um, story wise I'm talking about visually and then you look at the next episode and it's set like in a desert and it looks so bright and I think that's maybe what he's going for is to try and tell different stories using different atmospheres you know because you could be some kid could be scared of the dark and this will make them terrify the dark or some kid could be scared of sand like Anakin Skywalker because it's coarse and gets everywhere Um, (laughs) but I think this is maybe a journey that will go on is that we'll see different um, stories told with different visuals so whether it's going to be dark and dark visually and dark with certain moments like we've talked about and then whether we're going to have like an episode like we have an episode that's going to have Lee Mack in it who's a comedian yeah. and then whenever we look back at say like Frank Skinner on the Mummy on the Orange Express, Pre- Express episode we're all spitting the bricks out today um, he wasn't comedic in that 
he yeah. was very much something different and that's what we could get with Lee Mack you know like he's primarily a stand up comedian and has that show not going out but yeah I get, I get what you mean about you know whenever you look at it I think there's certain aspects of it that you could look at and go like that could be just a brand new show yeah but whenever you look at stuff like um, say like Torchwood or Class you know like Class for me whenever I watched the first episode even though it was set in school was very dark you know like visually yeah. it was very dark in places um, but I'm interested to see if how the stories go visually and you know like visually and story you know like and speech wise yes. how that'll actually go yeah. along but I think obviously next one will have a bit in space and then a bit in the TARDIS and then in this other yeah. Um, get your clickers out, folks, to see how many times the word dark has been said this episode of Operation Retroshock. Uh, dark to who? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, well, we mentioned it slightly. Let's go back to it. Sonic Screwdriver. Mm-hmm. Was this the way you thought it was going to happen? No, totally not. I didn't Completely caught me off guard. I d- didn't think that it would be something that she would build. Um, that she would put together herself in like a short space of time. Um, I thought this would be, like I said before, that we would see the TARDIS. They would go into the TARDIS and, and she would be given, <laughs> and we're like, oh, new Sonic. A bit like, oh, new hands, new Sonic, you know, or something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I, I didn't expect it to be this way. You know, like she seems to be very um hands on like we've said before yeah, like she seems to be good at building stuff so i think that's going to be something that we're going to see down the line in the future episodes is that she'll use sonic to build things but if she forgets her sonic or if her sonic gets destroyed or whatever or she's got the wrong coat on because so many pockets yep um whether we see a different one down the line but um yeah it was Especially whenever she pressed the button and then it like fizzed and she went, it's okay, it's probably supposed to do that. Yeah. But do we have a panel for her to read now? Because normally it's like a little small thing that the yeah. doctor will zap and then kind of, you know, like shake and then read. Yeah. Whereas hers seems to be very much like it'll say something. So It does, it does when she was using it, it looks like she has been properly looking at the side or something, yeah. like a proper reading from it. And I picked it up with like the noises because you still have that classic sonic noise mm-hmm. when she's properly, you know, pressing the button and it's mm-hmm. doing the checks. But it kind of does like a wee computing noise. Yeah. Afterwards, like it's figuring everything out and then it kind of tells her the information. Um, I didn't see anything on like the toy that was revealed at uh, San Diego Comic Con for like our screen or anything mm-hmm. like that. But it's the doctor. Matt Smith was just extending yeah. his and looking at his and there was nothing on it. Yeah. So Tenant would do that and kind of listen to yeah, his. Yeah. Whether it's the noise that actually, mm. you know, gives the information to the doctor or not. But yeah, I really liked the change in the shake up because I think even if you go back and listen to one of the earlier episodes here of us kind of predicting some of the things that maybe we're, we're going to see, I think I pretty much had guest oh it'll be a new sonic that comes out of the, yeah. the TARDIS or yeah. because that's kind of what we've become used to yeah with Matt Smith with Capaldi it almost seems to be here's your TARDIS here's your sonic yeah you know but then that's whenever they sit, get their because again I didn't think that she would get her outfit from a charity shop <laughs> yeah. you know so that she doesn't even pay for but um obviously again with the likes of every doctor we've seen them in the TARDIS and 
apart from the likes of say Pertwee or McGann, but with the likes of say um, with Tennant and I think with Capaldi, um, you had the stuff that they would go into the kind of like the wardrobe and they would pick stuff out. Obviously, that's where we got Davison's stuff, yes. and I've never watched Gone Baker, so I don't know. Um, but obviously, with like Pertwee, he got his from whenever he was in the hospital, and the same with McGann, whenever he was dead, he got his from like uh, some hangers and stuff. So yeah, um, it, it, yeah, it's. Again, it's different the way they've done it, but it's something fresh. Yeah. And it's not a case of you're expecting this and you get this, but it's not a case of I expected the Sonic to be brought out whenever she goes in the TARDIS and I didn't get that. I'm like, here, I was expecting that. I was like, oh, well, that's different. I think that I think that's probably what sums up this opening episode of Jodie Whittaker's kind of debut as the Doctor, is that we got the things we were expecting in terms of New outfit, new Sonic, etc. But we got them in ways we weren't expecting. Yeah. Which is a nice shake up of things. Still waiting on the TARDIS, but. But we'll again, see what that's something there. different because, again, in the Doctor's first stories, you get the reveal of the TARDIS. Because even though Matt Smith was upside down and inside out, it was still with him. It was still with him, and you still got it at the end of the episode. You still got, you know. Him coming in and going like, I wonder what... Because then he's wondering what it's like. And the same with Jodie is going to wonder what her TARDIS is like because she's not going to have an idea. So... I would like to see the TARDIS assume a similar sort of theme to the Sonic. Mm. In that it's kind of like this... It could almost be a bit more of a throwback to like the Tenant TARDIS and the Eccleston TARDIS in that it's kind of this more mechanical mm-hmm. sort of device yeah. sort of thing. You kind of got that feeling with the Tenant and Eccleston TARDIS that it's been through a lot. It's a working machine. Mm-hmm. So I think we could see something like that. So more like an, or, or, like an organic An organic, one. metallic yeah. sort of combination. Um, now I haven't seen the leaked photos so I could be completely wide of the mark. Oh, I probably am. I haven't seen anything and I don't want to see anything. I because probably am. But I'm sure we will be pleasantly surprised mm-hmm. anyway. Um, now, I think another thing that jumped out to me was the overall music of the episode. Now, I'm not talking theme. We'll get the theme. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought it was fairly refreshing as well. Did it jump out at you at all? Or were you kind of just like, oh, it's there in the background? Um, I find that when you watch it more... You kind of appreciate the music. It's like whenever you go watch a film, you're absorbing yeah. everything that's being said and you will kind of pick up hints and bits of music here and there. But whenever, with like this, this, once I watch it again, like say I watch it again in a couple of weeks, I'll probably pick up more of the music. It wasn't the case where I heard music and I went like, that's terrible. It was there and I think the music fitted the scene perfectly. Yeah. You know, like, so I think the new person who's obviously taken over from Murray Gold has done a fitting job of that. Um, and it's a case of, with Doctor Who, obviously you get the music being released each year, but for some reason we still haven't got Capaldi's, Capaldi's last one from Series 10. It seems to be taking longer and longer Yeah, which is to get the music. Which is frustrating. Now, I always kind of say I'm more of the music guy when I'm listening to things, but when it comes to something like, say it's Star Wars, for mm-hmm. example, you always go in and you're like, give me the story sort of thing. And yeah. you'll maybe pick up bits and stuff and you'll always kind of hook on to those John William cues that you're familiar with yeah. in a Star Wars. 
but it's again it's as you say with multiple viewings that you pick up more and more and more because mm-hmm. that's I think with a lot I know I'm going on a tangent to Star Wars that with these sequel Star Wars trilogy movies you initially start going oh well I don't think the music's maybe be as memorable yeah. as John Williams' original trilogy but you've had all those years mm-hmm. with the original trilogy of Star Wars music but whereas I think now there's tons of the sequel music that I really really enjoy and yeah. I think is going to be up there oh, yeah. in years to come. Uh-huh. And I think the potential is there for this to be the case in this new Who as well. You've become so used to, because it's just been Murray Gold yeah. this whole time since New Who came back, that Murray Gold, probably not a fair comparison to Mr. Williams, but he is the John Williams of New Doctor Who. Yeah. He is the guy mm-hmm. who has done all of the, the music. We've had him for, what, 13 years then? Yeah. About that. Yeah. yeah. So. But it was getting to a point, I think, that the change needed to come. Because mm-hmm. there's only, only so many times you can really hear the Doctor's theme yeah. or whatever, you know, the, that sort of thing. So I think he's gone. He's still capturing that sort of alien, mm-hmm. sort of unknown fantasy stuff in there. But it's done in a slightly different way. I think there was a bit more kind of an, of an electronic feel okay. to it as well. And we'll probably come to talk about that as well when we get to the theme talk. But I'm liking his work so far. Mm. And I'm intrigued to see just where he goes and whether we get any other kind of refreshed replays on older motifs Yeah, from the past. Right. I think we're probably getting towards the tail end of things in this thing because we're nearly going an hour here. Okay. So we are... Uh, I think... Don't forget about the poll you put up as well. Oh, yes, we'll talk about the poll. Um, I won't climb it, though. Uh, let's talk about the theme, then. Okay. What did you think of the theme that we heard during the credits? Well, and obviously you get it whenever she falls, whenever she stands up, and yeah. then you hear the... Notes. You know, yeah, you hear kind of like the hard beat of it, and I was like, oh, I actually got chills whenever that happened. Yeah. So, yeah, it is very much a... Oh, like you say, it's more, it's, other ones seem to be more, especially like Capaldi's one seem to be more rocky, whereas this seems to be more, you know, it's very based, you know, it seems to be rallying heavily on bass, you know, and, it's and like, electronic, dun, dun, you know, and it's very heavy, Um, but obviously this is the first time we've heard it, and I was like, you know what, I'm quite enjoying. Because I think it was equally exciting because, as you say, we didn't get the whole intro, mm-hmm at the beginning so you've been waiting the whole episode and you've yes you've been enjoying the whole episode yeah but you're sitting there and you were given those few beats mm-hmm. when she landed in the train that perked you up and made you go oh right okay yeah you have my attention now mm-hmm. so that when the credits hit and you heard it you're like okay mm-hmm. i really liked what i heard because i instantly was swept back to classic doctor who with yeah. it. it really felt strongly of classic Doctor Who and a few people I've spoke to feel the exact same way with it. Mm-hmm. It feels to me like a combination, like you mentioned, of the very much older Hartnell, yeah, sort of early era Doctor Who, and that's sort of one of my favorite Doctor Who themes of the sort of the Davison mm-hmm. era, where you got that really high pitched yeah note in Davison's. It feels like they've kind of almost been pushed together. 
and then there's just that kind of little modern, as you say, with the bass yeah. and stuff like that pushed in there. So if that is the proper theme, it gets a thumbs up from me. Mm-hmm. So it does. Now, another thing I want to mention with that, because obviously we got to hear it over the credits. Yeah. Did you notice the the visuals in the credits? Because obviously in Doctor Who in the past, we've kind of had kind of like, the background's usually been like the time vortex. Yeah. And you've got all your text going up and down. I felt that the background of the credits was again almost a homage to the 50th anniversary the 50th anniversary and the older Doctor Who intros you know those sort of like wavy patterns Uh it was very like that as well I felt and I wonder if that was on purpose if those are all nods and that's what we get Mm -hmm. as part of an opening intro I'll be very very happy yeah because there was bits like I noticed that there were certain like circular bits in the corners. Yeah. And I was like, right, that reminds me of like very fiftieth anniversary whenever you saw like the doctors' faces and things like that. So again, I think um again, I think it was at that stage I was paying more attention to the music yeah. than I was with the visuals. Um, but obviously we haven't seen the intro yet, so we don't know what that's going to look like, and then whether that's going to be kind of the same way as what the end credits are going to be. Yeah, because like you say, you know, whenever you look at tenants, it's always been the TARDIS going through the vortex, and then at the end, it's kind of like just the names going up with that in the background. So whether we get that as it um, is is fine, but if it's kind of paying homage, like she says, you know, like. Um, Whenever like keeping your family with you and yeah, stuff like kind that. of kind of like that. Whenever she's saying about that, that's maybe what they're doing visually and musically is kind of paying homage to what's come before them, but what's going ahead as well. Yeah, because what was it? it? Was something along the lines of if you keep their memories alive in you, then they're never truly gone or something yeah. like that. Mm-hmm. So it's like yeah. you say, it could be we're keeping the past of Doctor Who alive, mm-hmm. but we're still yeah going forward yeah. with something mm-hmm. new. Fair point, indeed. So, we'll talk about our poll, and then we'll round up with one last thing that I have in mind that's popped into my head. Um, So, I put a little poll up on Twitter last night. Uh, I just thought, why not? Let's just get Can I just give Alan credit for making this so creative? Because whenever I saw this, I laughed. And I was just like... I was just like, I thought this was... Um, very well put together I know it's only like four options but the way you'd done it from good to bad was quite ingenious and I literally came off the top of my head with it within a couple of minutes Mm -hmm. because I was like I want to do this poll but I don't just want to go do you rate it one to three do you rate it four to seven do you rate it you know so on Uh those sort of things you know I didn't want to be boring because I thought if I do something a bit different, it'll maybe pique a few more people's interest to actually vote in the poll yeah. as well. And it seemed to do that. So the options were, from top to bottom, everybody, so best to worst, were uh, a fried excellent sandwich, a reliable nose, not Tim Shaw, and DNA bomb. So we had 61% of people vote for fried excellent sandwich, we had 25% of people vote for a reliable nose and 7% for both Not Tim Shaw and DNA Bomb. Well, somebody just was like, I'm bored, I'll just hit the bottom one. So uh, I think it's fair to say that it comes out then at 86% mm-hmm. 
of individuals who voted in our poll. Uh, not Tim Shaw. Not not <laughs> Tim Shaw. Um, enjoyed yeah. the episode. Either really enjoyed the episode or just enjoyed the episode. Mm-hmm. Uh, not Tim Shaw, of course, was a play on Not Sure. Uh, and DNA Bomb, I think, explains itself yeah. really there. So, realistically, it's, you know, what? 8.5 to 1.5. Mm-hmm. out of 10 yeah. sort of thing in favour of a good review in that regard so I think that bodes well well that's near enough about the same as the viewing figures then exactly so yeah um, what were the viewing figures exactly Chris 8.2 8.2 8.3 million and then that's obviously with it just being on you know like um, digital or through your box whereas obviously they'll have the BBC iPlayer which is how I watched it um, and then you'll get like some numbers too. You're probably talking the cuts of about nine, maybe ten million. Yeah. Um, for which is probably its, its best. Um, is certainly its best start for a new doctor. Obviously, we've had ones come back like Tennant and Catherine Tate. Whenever they came back, and they had good figures there. But obviously, this is the first good one for a new doctor in quite some time. Yeah. I've pulled up those figures I was talking about earlier there. So it was 8.2 million overnight for Jodie Whittaker. So overnight is, as Chris was saying, just people sitting down at the time of the show and watching it through their TV box, be it Sky, be it Virgin Media, be it whatever. Um, That's excluding all of the iPlayer stuff or people watching it later. Uh, For context, Peter Capaldi was 6.8 million overnight. So that's that's a reasonable jump up. Matt Smith got 8 million overnight for his debut and David Tennant got 9.4 million overnight though of course as we know David Tennant's was a Christmas special so more people off, more people spending time with family and more people sitting in front of the TV for the evening after eating a load of food. Um, But also uh, there's a note here that Series 4, so that's uh, one of your favourite series with Tennant yep. and Catherine mm-hmm. Tate. Yep. It opened with 8.4. So that's 10 years ago. Yeah. Pretty much. So it's a case of if you discount Christmas specials or particular episodes that have happened when there's been holidays or whatever, it's basically the strongest start, as you say, to Doctor Who for a decade. Do you think that with this being the first time it's been on a Sunday for a while... Obviously, we've had episodes that have been on Sunday, obviously, like Tenant's um, last four episodes. Some of them were on, like, Easter Sunday or New Year's Day or whatever. Do you think that could be a determining factor? Is that that it's not a case of, like, with Saturday night, you had so much on, obviously, on Sunday night. Um, Saturday night TV is obviously a lot more Busy. aggressive with yeah. the likes of, say, X Factor, Strictly Come Dancing, basically. Anything. Dancing on Ice, all those sort of ones. Yeah, basically all of that. You know, like, it's not the force that it used to be, you know, with you Reality bet. TV. Yeah, it's all that stuff. But do you think that that, if they had put that on a Saturday, it would have maybe done not as good as it did on the Sunday? Because I know, it, like, we've talked about it being on the Sunday and some people were outraged by this and it's like, how dare they move Doctor Who from Saturday to Sunday? And it's like, my gosh. And plus the fact it's a little bit earlier. Because mm-hmm. normally it's around about half seven or so. I'd have been creeping later and yeah, later so to kind of line up with like that Strictly yeah. and stuff like that mm-hmm. on Saturday nights. I think it's a fair shout that moving to Sunday is a part of the reason for these viewing figures. Because, you know, take me for example. I'm not everybody, but 
part of the reason we're doing this today, not only because we wanted to talk about Jody's new episode, was we were both fairly busy at the weekend. Mm-hmm. So we wouldn't have been able to probably sit down and record a show and watch an episode of Doctor Who, you know, over the weekend. Yeah. And it's probably the same for a lot of folks. Probably have plans to go out and see friends on Saturday evening or whatever it is. Mm-hmm. Yes, that's the joy of BBC iPlayer and recording on yeah. your skyboxes nowadays. But people are more inclined, I'd say at least, I don't know about anybody else, but your family's more likely to all be at home mm-hmm. at that sort of a time on a Sunday evening. Yeah. Either having had your Sunday dinner or, you know, you've maybe had it earlier in the day and you're all just kind of chilling out in that sort of evening and you're all just sitting there and you're just like, oh, you know what, we'll, we'll pop Doctor Who on, you know why what? not? You know what I think is good as well is that, like we were talking about a while back, is like what our TV programmes were before we got ready for bed and stuff yeah. before we went to school. This could be a lot of kids. Yeah. Items, you know, like before they, once they've watched this, it's like a quarter date, they go and have their bath, they go into bed and then that's them ready for school for, for the next day. Yeah. And I think that's a really nice thing is that, you know, like 15, 20 years down the line, but like, what did you watch, you know, before you went to school? Oh, oh I watched Doctor Who. Yeah. You know, like, and that's something new and something fresh as well. Because even Jason Manford put a tweet up that his daughters wanted to watch um actually I'll read out to you here. There his daughters wanted to watch some classic Doctor Who in the run up to Jodie Whittaker's debut. Yeah, so yeah. he had wrote um kids want to watch Jodie Whittaker and Doctor Who this afternoon, but I'm ashamed to say I've never watched an episode in my life. What episode should we watch in advance of it? Best episodes, well best for under tens and I wrote they can watch the new Doctor Who with Jodie Whittaker and it will be fresh and a good starting point. Let them watch that and go back if they want to. Then somebody commented and said this. It will frame the reference that the Doctor can be and was a woman the first time they ever watched it. Yeah. Which again That's is something point. new and something fresh for a lot of people. Yeah. Like, like my mom has not watched Doctor Who since probably Hartnell, Triton or Pertwee. Wow. So she has not watched that for like years upon years and I think it's maybe the fact that maybe because she loves the chase and because she is a bit, and I think that's maybe what's pulled her into it. <laughs> the Walsh effect. But I actually <laughs> but I actually asked her will you watch next week and she's like oh yeah but I know there'll be an episode where she'll not like and that's yeah. whenever she'll stop. Yeah. But it's nice that again that's somebody who used to watch it and now she's dipping her toe into it. Yes. And she enjoyed it. And yeah. whenever a 70-year-old woman enjoys it, there's there's hope, you know, for, the for jo- it all. The job is a good one. Yeah, exactly. The job is a good one. So, final thing that sprung into my mind um, before we started talking about the viewing figures and stuff like that is we've mentioned this previously that Chibnall definitely seems to be keeping things closer to the chest mm-hmm. and not wanting to go, look, here's the master in the next episode, everybody. Yeah. Yay. You know, at the end of the episode, after everything's kind of tied up, we kind of get this quick shot of Judy Whittaker's doctor going, oh, I'm really excited or something like that. And you get these just kind of quick clips of all these people here guest starring. Yeah. But like quick couple of seconds at most clips with their name at the bottom of the screen. They don't say anything. There's so no have, context. Yeah. There's yeah. no context for who is that character. Are they good? Are they bad? Uh, what period of time are they in? Now, there's a couple you can guess. Yeah, like Alan so Cummings. Yeah. yeah. Um, or there's a girl, what's her name? Vivian something. I can't remember who's playing 
what we were talking about before, black rights and all mm-hmm. back at you know back in the day in America, those sort of things. But you got a glimpse at who's coming in, like you say, Lee Mack as well is going to be involved. But there's no idea of what their story is really about. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then that ends, and we got our quick kind of thirty second trailer for the next episode that just shows you a few quick action shots and a few quick bits of dialogue, and boom, done. Yeah. No coming this season. Yeah. On Doctor yeah. Who. I was just about to say that. Yeah, because that's what they've done previously as well. They've kind of just went. Here's a lot of stuff that's going to happen. You know, like so, like you know, with Tennant and Noble or. Noble Ten and Tate, there was like, you know, the Ood, and then there was like this and that, and you're like, oh, okay. But like you say, you're just getting glimpses of famous people. So even if it could be something that, but, oh, I like him, I might watch the next episode of these and that, you know, but um, there's no, it's not a case of, you know, Alan coming and be like episode four or anything like that. It doesn't give you a context of that. So for all we know, we could end up in this episode in the, for next one. We could end up in this place that looks like um, a desert a desert for 20 minutes and we could jump off to, you know, some Victorian times for yep. like the, the rest of the episode. There's no set time that we're going to be in this for beginning to end, you know, like so I like the way that he did it. And I hope that he is one of these people who, because like we've said before, if they had revealed that during the episode that John Sim was in it. Wow, but to put it in a trailer, yeah, that's like you know, it was I think it was Terminator Genesis. Whenever they kind of give G- away Genesis, whenever they kind of <laughs> give away the whole storyline in yeah. the trailer, I John Connor thing. Yeah, yeah, the whole trailer should be an idea of what you're going to get. But I want to have a nibble. I don't want to have a whole feed. Yeah. I'll have a whole feed whenever the whole thing comes out. Exactly. You know, like so that's the way it should be. So if he's keeping clo- things close to his chest, then good for him. Happy days indeed. Yeah. So if you were to rate this episode, I know we both turned around and said it was good. Yeah. But we'll not we'll not go for my fried egg sandwich sort of thing or anything okay. like that. But plainly out of ten, roughly, what would you give it? Uh, right. Are you? Am I ranking this to do with other Doctor's first appearances or just the episode in general? Just how you enjoyed the episode okay, in general. Okay, I'll give it a 9 then. Okay. Okay. I'll probably go 8.5. Oh, you would have to be different, so, wouldn't you? 8.7. Uh, I'm going for the prices, right? 1p under. Okay, right. Um, <laughs> but no, I, I think it wasn't, sums it up. It wasn't perfect, but I enjoyed what I watched. And yeah. it was one of those episodes that, because it was an hour long... But the time didn't drag. It wasn't a case of, what time is it? Is it over yet? You know, like it's a case of, is it over already? It's what I've said in the past about um, movies. Mm -hmm. If I'm in a movie and I'm sitting there and pushing my button on my phone, seeing what time it is, figuring out how far I'm into the movie, you're losing me. Yeah, yeah. This didn't happen with this episode. And uh, I think the reason why I kind of just tempered my score so slightly is, just giving myself some wiggle room mm-hmm. in case there is an absolutely outstanding episode later on in this season, which, of course, I hope there is. Well, then I'll get a 9.1, all right? Ooh. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I think that'll do us I for think so. our uh, Doctor Who, Jodie Whittaker discussions. I think this was a good decision by you, Chris. I think so. By the way, because uh, this was, overall, everybody, uh, meant to be a 
kind of discussion of classic doctors some of their first stories yeah see look I didn't have them all sitting out so I could tell you whenever they were first aired <laughs> and everything and then talk about Jodie Whittaker's first story as her doctor but Chris and in his infinite wisdom knew fine rightly that the chances were we would get rambling yeah. about Jodie Whittaker because it is now about an hour and ten minutes in to the show see like the episode I have not seen that time going in at all we've basically talked about this episode as long as said episode longer than yeah. the episode so Chris knew that this would happen so we will do that Doctor 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 what if I can <laughs> talk here yep. Doctor Who uh, classic Doctors episode down the line we won't take it too far away because I think it's fair to say we'll probably be dipping in and out of this season mm-hmm. uh, as it goes to give you our feelings of it. Um, I think what we may do is we may do, like we have done with Arrow and Flash, and do like a season roundup of it, because yes. not everyone is a Doctor Who fan, so if we were to do a couple of episodes and then that, there's maybe three or four different episodes. So it. We don't want to flood the feed. Yeah, exactly. If you want us to talk about a couple of episodes, then DM us or send us a Facebook message. If there's a particular episode that has stood out for you, um, let us know and then we'll, we'll go from there. If the desire is there, it it shall be done. Yeah, people uh, talk, then we listen. But yes, you can do that. Drop us a message on Twitter at RetroShockPod, DM or just a general tweet. Or on Facebook, just search Operation RetroShock. Or you can just tweet both Chris and I directly. I'm at Alan GW Price. He's at Vinto316. That's A-L-L-A-N. Very good. Mm-hmm. And your email is, Chris? Vindo316 at gmail.com. Thank you very much for and, that. And um, put the subject matter as Operation Retroshock um, right high there, because if you do, I'll have no clue what it's about. Like, hi there. It's like, hello there. <laughs> um, yes, or again, as we have mentioned previously, if you would like to leave us a lovely review, if you've been enjoying the show, feel free to do so on iTunes, Stitcher, or tune in all those lovely places. And if you're from America, take a screenshot and send us a picture of it because we can't see the American side of things. Thank you very much. This has been episode 126 of Operation Retroshock. I've been Alan Price. He's been Chris Fint. And we'll see you some other time. Let's get a shift on. Mm-hmm.